Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. This is not the first time I've made the attempt, but this is the first time that I can report, like, sizable progress into my efforts to read Marcel Proust. Marcel Proust is a French writer, like, from the modernist period, like the first 20 years of the 20th century, and his major work is, depending on the translation, it's either called In Search of Lost Time or A Remembrance of Things Past. And it is the longest novel ever written, or at least ever published. It runs seven volumes long. It was written over the course of 14 years. I think it's 1.2 million words, and I'm happy to report, I find, like, I get it. I kind of, like, I see why this is a classic. I see why people love it. And what's really fascinating is it's not about anything. There's nothing happening in this book. In the very beginning, the main character, the narrator, he dips a madeleine, like a, like a French cookie, into a cup of tea. He takes a bite and suddenly he has this like vivid flashback to his entire childhood. And it just goes from there. He's just recounting his very mundane childhood. Nothing significant happens. What is mostly blowing my mind about it is just like what strikes me as the bravery on his part or maybe it's just the chutzpah of Marcel Proust having sat down to write this book presuming that anyone anywhere would find any of this shit interesting. That's the prevailing takeaway. After like a 30 or 40 page flashback to how as a little kid his his mother would put him to bed and say goodnight and tuck him in and he would love it. He got away with telling me that long ass story in which nothing happened. It reminded me of going through like this six or seven year aimlessness. When I got out of college, I would take a notebook to a bar and I would write. But I never wanted to reveal what I was writing because I was convinced that it sucked. So whenever someone would ask me what I was working on, I would tell them that like, oh, it's something for work. Like I'm drafting a really sensitive email. I just tried to make it as vague and uninteresting as possible so that they wouldn't like press me with questions. But that wasn't necessary, I realize, in retrospect, because nobody really cared. Probably 60% of the time, that sounds outlandish, but I really do think it was maybe 60% of the time I would give that answer and they would take that answer and they would nod and they would look into their drink. And then after like a moment, they would go, are you a writer? You know, I've got, I've got this idea for a book. And everyone at this point is like self-conscious about saying that. They know that it sounds cliche. They would hasten to mention like, yeah, I'm sure everybody says that they got an idea for a book, but no. This one, this one, this one's a bestseller. Believe me. Surveys have shown that most Americans never read a book after high school. But I would also contend that every single one of those Americans, without having ever voluntarily read a book in their life and never even cracking one after high school, they all believe that they have like a spring-loaded bestseller, just curled and waiting in their fingertips to be unleashed on someone's keyboard. One time I was sitting at the bar on the patio at Books and Books in Coral Gables when this woman came up, she looked to be in her 50s, maybe? And she was leading a much older man up to the bar, and she was holding him by his elbow and his wrist, and the stool right beside me was the nearest one. And she helps him up very gently onto the stool, and then she starts rubbing his back with her palm, and she's got these long red acrylic nails, and they're kind of fanned out like plumage. And as she's rubbing this guy's back, she says, I I'm gonna go into the cafe, I'm gonna get something. Do you want something from the cafe? And he says, no. I'm fine. And then she says, okay, well, I'm gonna go get a muffin and a coffee. You sure you don't want anything? You don't want a croissant or a cookie or some tea or a wine or a sandwich or a soup or a salad or And bread? He, he lets her just sort of run through the list. And when she's done, he just tells her again, no, I'm fine. And that's when she notices me. 
like one stool over with my notebook. What are you writing? And as usual, I, I just say something vague, something work-related. And she goes, oh, are you, are you a writer? You know, I've always wanted to write a book. Yeah, like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey? This was like 2014, by the way. So Fifty Shades, that whole trilogy was sort of at like the peak of its popularity. She said, I want to do a book like that, except biography. Like my own adventures, because there's a lot of them. Meanwhile, she's rubbing a palm up and down the back of this very old man who is slouched on the stool right beside me, like staring forward into the counter, kind of checked out. She goes on talking for a little while longer about her sex life and uh, like I'm nodding along and I'm telling her, hey, yeah, it sounds really great. Like you should definitely give it a shot. But when I said that, when I told her like, yeah, it, like it could happen, she just shrugged and she, and she looked kind of bummed and she goes, yeah, well, I, I can't write for shit though. So like, it's not gonna happen. Which I've yet to mention is the point of all these remarks, these cryptic references people make to how the book that's coiled up in their head is destined to become a bestseller. It's because they see this young guy at a bar. He seems to want to be a writer. He also doesn't seem to be doing anything. So I guess maybe he wants to write my book. And I told her, no, if it's about like if it's about sex and it's really funny or whatever, it doesn't need to be really well written. You know, if it's just a good story, people will buy it. And she nodded at that and she walked away with a smile. Like I'd just given her the motivation that she needed to finally go home and, and write her book. Which, if you're a barfly, you know that that's one of the things people are looking for when they're telling you over a beer about their dreams, their goals, is they want the assurance that they can, you know, go home and change their lives. And they want enough alcohol to believe that tonight is the night when they'll actually go home and do it. Finally, she pats this old guy on the back and she goes inside to the cafe to get herself something to eat. And when he and I are alone, I feel kind of already yoked into contact and I was like, oh, she's lively. And he looks up at me and he's kind of dour, but he's being polite and he goes, yeah, she's my daughter. And then he checks over both shoulders and he like makes sure that she's nowhere in earshot. And he leans a little closer and he goes, my wife died a few days ago. And my, so my daughter's taking me around and frankly, I'd rather be home. I'd rather be by myself, but I don't know what to say because it's her mother, you know, and I figured this is how she's grieving. Take me around, take care of me. And I thought it was interesting how the two of them were clearly going out of their way. They were both incurring some kind of inconvenience in their respective attempts to make the other one feel better. And yet at the same time, when she was going on and on about her sex life, he was not paying attention. And when he was trying to tell her that he didn't want anything to eat, she was not paying attention. I had these two colleagues at my previous job who were equally talkative, but they were talkative in different ways. One of them, if you asked him what was going on in his life, he would tell you everything in long, rambling, minute, Proustian detail. He would go on and on and on. And then, on the other hand, you had this other guy at the same job, and he was just as talkative. But he wasn't telling you about his day or what he was up to. Instead, he was like, pontificating. If you asked him how he was doing that day, he would say he was doing fine, or he, he was great, or he was terrible. But rather than giving you just the straight explanation and then returning the question, he would end up roping it into some long account of like how society works and females, how females work, and here's the thing that men do, and, and here's how society works, and here's how politicians work. So you've got the one guy who talked endlessly about the little details of his home life, what he had for dinner, and how he cooked it, and how he felt about it afterward, and whether he'll ever do it again. And then you have the second guy who talks endlessly about abstract 
shit. Broad sweeps about the universe and society and gender and whatever, but neither of them, in their lectures, in their rambles, ever seemed to pause and to question whether I or anyone else wanted to hear these things, or at least if, if we wanted to hear it in such quantities. They didn't have that sort of editorial reflex to rein themselves in. But maybe that's the healthier way of communicating. I feel like I would not do that. I would feel too self-conscious to corner someone at work and talk for 20 straight minutes about what I did over the weekend, which I know sounds ironic, saying that in a podcast that I'm doing all the time. But yeah, in conversation, like face-to-face -face conversation, I don't want to impose my bullshit. But these dudes just don't seem to ever ask themselves if what they're going to say is interesting. Instead, they talk as though it, it isn't their obligation to be interesting. Like, it's not even their intention to be interesting. These guys would talk as though it was our collective responsibility to one another, as people sharing a workspace in, in like a mediocre, underpaying, somewhat dehumanizing job, to just be interested in one another, to lend each other our ears. And when you asked them how they were doing, they just presumed that even if you weren't particularly interested, you were there to listen because this is the collective service that we provide for each other. This is a community and that's how it works. You would ask them, hey, what'd you do this weekend? And it's as if they were saying here and holding out a spoon with some puddly mound of French cookie on it. Eat this cookie and enjoy my story. It goes nowhere.